Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. You have to trust me on this, Karen. We're going Joe Rogan on this recorded episode. (laughs) I wanted to make this more conversational. And I really looked forward to you coming back. November 17th is when we aired the first episode that we did together. And it was on the emotional stages of grieving in divorce, right? Remember that? Right, right. So So Karen, first of all, Karen McMahon, the coach extraordinaire in divorce, without a doubt. I mean, Karen, I've never met anybody that had their a business of coaches before you. It was just, I've always just talked to people who were coaches themselves, but I'm yeah. so impressed. How, how is business in the divorce coaching world? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're busy. We currently have... Uh, seven coaches total on the team and um and we're we're blessed to be able to support a lot of people and we're growing from the one-on-one which all of my coaches do to um, more groups so that each coach can actually touch more people so it's it's uh you know the need is there and i think we feel grateful to be able to help fill the support need well, you're so in touch with what people need when they're going through divorce. I, I, I just, I love that interview that we did on the emotional stages of grief and divorce. It was wonderful. And it then, was actually one of my favorite too. I have to say, I think we just, we just really, we went deep. We covered a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, beautifully done. So I love the three topics that you sent me that I could choose from or any other ones, but no, two out of the three were phenomenal. So the two I'm looking at, and the first one I'd like to address because it's so important, is how to finally get off the fence and leave your high conflict divorce. And then like under that, you said, and this is an especially scary step, Uh, for so many people in complex dysfunctional relationships. So I want to start with that one first, and then we're going to go into, if we have time, the C-suite executives, the business owners, the managers going through divorce, they lose it just like everybody else. And sometimes they actually lose their business or lose their jobs because divorce is... But let's go to the high conflict, the complex divorces. First of all, I know that people kind of know they're in a tough situation, but can you define a high conflict situation, a complex situation? Yeah, I I think that's such a good place to start. I've actually been talking to some of my clients who are now like a year or two down the road. And like one of them said to me, Karen, if you referred to my marriage as toxic, and let me tell you, her marriage was toxic. Uh, she said it wouldn't, the word wouldn't have resonated. Like I wouldn't have realized. And so I thought about it. Now I'm divorced 15 years, but, and I was, I was in my thirties when I got married, I wasn't a kid. And I would say the same thing, like the whole concept of high conflict, toxic personality disorder. It's like, it's, it's thrown around all the time, but what does it actually mean? And I think that's such a good place to start because there's a difference between 
the marriage with two hurt and angry people who have just outgrown each other or for whatever reason decided, you know, we need to end this. And there's going to be some conflict and there's going to be some harsh words said undoubtedly. But what's different between that and a truly high conflict marriage that turns into a high conflict divorce? And and so just, just to give a couple of elements. So there's the it's a dance. It's a dysfunctional dance. So there's the behavior of, I'm going to call them the high conflict personality. I'm not a psychologist. I don't appreciate the the labeling. So those people tend to, they could be on the autistic spectrum where they have some social issues, um, certainly borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. And then you have people who are like circumstantially disordered. So people who um, are battling with alcoholism and addiction, they're going to have a lot of those high conflict behaviors because of the circumstances that they're in the midst of. What does it look like? Um, A lot of blame and accusation. Uh, So if you're in a situation where no matter what happens or what goes wrong, you, and I don't like to use always and never, but almost always are being blamed for it's your fault. Um, I did it because of you, this kind of a thing. And so that that's not what you have in a normal relationship. So that's, and another one is flexibility. So if you can sit down with your spouse and put a topic on the table, even if you ultimately just agree to disagree, but there is flexibility and openness and communication, that's normal. In high conflict, um, you don't feel heard, you don't feel seen, there is no collaboration, there is little to no flexibility, which is why mediation is usually so hard for a high conflict divorce, because the only one who's going to bend is going to bend until they break. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, and then I think another one that many of us can relate to is I call it the deflect and defend dance. So I come to you, Judith, and I say, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm I'm really having a hard time with the way you do X. And in a normal situation, there would be a dialogue that happened. In a high conflict, what you typically get is you're annoyed at me, you do the same thing to me, or you do this other thing, which has me twice as upset. And in moments, instead of discussing your concern, you're on the defensive, defending their concern. And often your topic is never even addressed. Yes. So, so these are a few of the, and it leaves us confused, like shaking our heads, like not because you're trying to wrap your rational mind around something that is not logical. It is not normal and ordered. It's 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 out of that norm and it's confusing. Okay, now I'm going to throw a couple other things in the mix on this, too. And those two things are you're afraid to bring things up. You're afraid at the explosion that's going to happen because it typically does, right? And then there's the other situation where 
one person is almost imprisoned. The control is palpable to the point where you get a little budget, a little bit of money. I, I mean, I'm kind of describing a female in this case who would be under a very controlled other spouse that A, you can't speak about anything because you know it's going to end in an argument and B, you don't have the money and the resources you need to be a fully functioning adult human being because either you've agreed to stay home and raise the kids and you've cut out, cut off your source of income uh, and you're not getting uh, access to the family money that comes from the other spouse. So would you okay. say those are part of maybe a complex? Yeah. And, you know, they refer to it as walking on eggshells. And for those of us who have, it's like you so gingerly, every every word you're going to speak, every action, every decision, you kind of like stop and, well, how is he or she going to respond? And is that is there a different way I can go about it? Can I keep a little bit more peace? And you end up... And that's our control, the control of the person in the relationship. We tie ourselves into pretzels trying to be what we need to be to keep peace and safety. And at the end of the day, we never experience any peace. Yeah. There's no peace in that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at least that people can identify with that you always feel like, you're in a state of flux and turmoil. You're, you, you are walking on eggshells yeah. and um, it's not normal. You become sick. No. And, and, and we lose ourselves. And so it's for those of you who this is resonating with, um, like this always brings tears to my eyes because we lose ourselves. We lose our self-esteem. We lose our connection to what we think and feel because we've been so focused on like managing the other. And, um, and so there's this totally broken self-esteem and self-confidence. And then from that place, you're supposed to jump off the fence and dive into a battlefield. And it's like stranger danger. I'm not going there. And and that's what happens where people are like, I, I can't, I can't leave because he or she has been telling me for so long how little and pathetic and useless and how broken I am and how I can't and I won't. And and so between that and all the rest of it, um, how do you have the capacity to then soldier up and say, I'm going to leave? So how do you, Karen? Yeah. No, I know. So, yeah. How do you? I've been I've been uh jumping on the phone with dozens of people over the last few months to people in these early stages. I've been like doing reels and saying, just you know, just drop your name in, let's get on the phone. And so um one of the key things that I've that I've realized is there's a lot of programs out there, like, should I stay or should I go? And, you know, take this 12-week program and we'll take you through everything divorce. And it's like, this baby step needs to be honored. This one baby step of just deciding that you're going to go and then rewiring your mind so that you can start looking at yourself and your circumstances differently. Um, Reimagining your future, because right now you've been living so small and playing so small that 
that there's no hope, there's no sense of possibility. So reinvigorating that by reimagining who you are and who you can become. And then educating, because if you're in this position, if you've dared to mention separation or divorce, what you've been hit with is, you're, I'll, I'm going to take all the money. I'm going to take the kids. You're going to be in the street. Your life is over as you ever knew. You have no idea. You're walking away from yeah. the best thing ever. And so, so, so that is ignorance because that's coming out of your spouse's mouth who is equally as afraid as you are of the marriage ending. You need to speak to people like Judith. You need to speak to people who Monday through Friday know the law in your jurisdiction and and can strategically look at your situation. And if you don't do that, then you're operating on a bunch of lies of your spouse, and that's going to keep you stuck. And you just said something so important, and that was who's equally afraid as you are. And see, people don't realize that. So when I get the calls in the office, probably like you get the calls in your office, he said he's going to take me for everything. He said he's going to take the kids. He said this, he said that. And I'm so scared. And I'm like, he has no clue what he's talking about. (laughs) He has no idea what divorce law is, or he wouldn't be saying this. Because I don't know a state in the country that lets one person take away with everything. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, so I usually, want. I'll usually like add a little humor. I'll be like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you tell me that your husband was a matrimonial attorney and I missed that part? And they're like, no. <laughs> well, what makes you think he knows any better than you know what the law of the land is? Like, let's get you educated. And so that's a key component. You cannot get off the fence and move forward without first understanding that there are laws protecting you and your finances and your children. And until you know that, you're just going to be operating based on his or her um, fear story. That's absolutely right. And while people are getting educated, I mean, you can go to Google Law School if you choose. If you don't have any money, if you are afraid that the credit card is going to be reviewed by him and you don't want to spend money on anything connected with divorce, go to a friend's house and go on Google and just put in the question and the state that you're in and those laws will come up and you can start educating yourself. And what I tell my clients when I hear this is a communication strategy that they can use in the meantime. And here's the communication strategy. Don't respond Let him talk, let him say, let him do whatever he wants to do, and just say, okay. A, nobody's ever used to hearing, nobody's ready for, okay. And so if the response to okay is, what are you talking about okay? You're okay if I take everything? You're okay if the kids uh, come with me? You're okay with that? Neither you nor I know the laws of our state. We have not been divorced. We are going to be involving legal professionals. We're both going to learn at the same time. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I am going to take everything. I do know what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, now I, I I completely agree with you. I I usually say um, three words. I hear you is very comforting. Yeah. I hear you. You I know what? You. That's really good, Karen. I hear you. I hear. I you. like that. I like that because even we all want to be heard, and you do hear. And it's you're not saying I agree with you, but you're saying I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I hear you. That's great. Okay, so I'm switching now. I'm switching to I hear you. <laughs> you're funny. Okay, so now, now. So, so we've got rewiring your brain. We've got me reimagining your future self. We've got getting educated. And then we create, in our program, we create um, a whole bulletproof plan. So for your listeners, the other piece that you absolutely want is your support team. Um, and I could talk about what the uh, the rest of the exit plan looks like, but the support team is that other piece of the puzzle. And that's going to include two things. Um, it's going to include your professional support team, which, of course, it's going to have a matrimonial attorney, but not just any matrimonial attorney. You really need to get educated first so that you know, do you need a litigator, a collaborator, a mediator, or are you are you like completely out of money and you need someone who's going to guide you on the do-it-yourself? What do you need? And then how do you pick the right person based on what you need? I like that. And um, how do you know that you have the right person based on your needs? Yeah. You know, and, and how do you know, Karen? So I think that when when I interview attorneys like yourself, um, I always ask, like, you know, what are the top three to five questions that someone should ask? And so it's been really interesting hearing from different attorneys about what you're looking for. I would say the one rule is that um, if you're divorcing a bully, don't go out and hire a bully uh, because they will bully you too. I love that. I love that. I And so I can't tell you how many of my clients were sandwiched between the bully attorney and the bully soon to be ex. And it just makes it so much harder. And so, so you know, I always say this is like your first new relationship as you begin to exit your marriage make sure it's a healthy one you want to be heard you want to be seen if you don't understand something you want someone to have patience you want them to be able to explain it to you you want to know that if you send an email someone's going to respond to you that that their communication and their client support is there above all you want to make sure that if you're divorcing a high conflict personality you want to make sure that that person swims in those waters, understands that, has experience with that so that um, so that they're not diminishing things that are actually really big. Absolutely. So one little thing, I'm not an attorney. I know everybody wants me to be an attorney. And Get out. I, I like that people think I'm an attorney, but I'm a mediator <laughs> and what's called a document preparation person. So I'm a paralegal on steroids. That's kind of how I define yeah. it a paralegal on steroids, but everybody says the same thing. And even my clients, if I run into them somewhere else, oh, this my, is my attorney, honest to God. And I'm like, no, you can't do that to me. I have to clarify, that's funny. but that's okay. So, I mean, I know stuff. I, we all know a lot. Um, your gut. I want to add in your gut. How do you know your gut? We 
overlook how we feel in our gut. Our gut, and I don't know why this is, and maybe you can tell me, I don't know why it is that our stomach will determine what the right thing for us to do is because our head gets in the way. We want to rationalize, just like our head got in the way to marry this person. Yeah. I venture to say most people knew it was the wrong choice. I venture to say, or they were cautioned and didn't pay attention to those who cautioned them. And all of a sudden they're in this tough situation. Well, yeah. I mean, I I was just talking to someone the other day and she's like, um, I got married within a year of my mom dying. And I have another person who actually did the same thing. Her dad died and she got, and so, you know, all of these things that we do when we're younger and it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so, and so there you are, but as you're beginning to exit, I think the other thing, so, so in that last support team, so you have, um, legal guidance, um, and then, Divorce is about two things. It is not about justice. It is about the distribution of funds. It's the finances and it's the sharing of parenting time. And so, um, and so if you're not really savvy, you want a financial expert who can look at your finances with you, no matter how little or much you have, you're still going to be making decisions and you don't want to make these decisions out of ignorance. You want to be guided and you want to feel confident that you're making the best decisions. Um, so getting that financial person is really key. And then, of course, if it's high conflict, you may need other people for the children. And there's a lot of experts. There's, you know, the the, the attorney for the children and there are forensics and there are parent coordinators. There's a whole grouping of experts around making sure that our children are well taken care of through the process. Yeah. So a couple things, the word fair has to just go off the table. Yeah. When people say, but this isn't fair, but what's, we don't know what's fair. Fair has nothing to do with anything. This has to do with the laws of your state and how your situation fits into the distribution of assets and debts, alimony, spousal support, child support. That's all it's about. And then number two, I always come back to care and communication. Mm -hmm. I think a lot can be accomplished with knowing how to communicate in a high conflict situation. Where where do you sit on that? Where does communication fit? with you in terms and of- that's actually and yeah and that's a part of the the get off the fence program because part of it is you know first of all when you're that stressed out and you've been that broken um most of us can be we're either imploding or we're exploding right so you're either really going deep inside and and being tiny or like me you're you were a rageaholic and you're frothing at the mouth and so how you communicate and understanding even some basic simple tools for helping to bring the defense defenses of the other person down helping to soften a message that might be hard for the other person to hear how to communication isn't just the speaking it's the listening I'm doing a workshop on that tomorrow, how to actively listen, how to not be creating your rebut while the other person's talking, but fully being present and listening so that 
and listening, not with judgment, but with curiosity so that you actually learn something. Um, all of that is part of the communication that has to develop in the early stages of divorce if it's going to be successful. Listening with curiosity. That's the ticket. I love that you said that because we all fall into the same situation. If we're on the defense, we do what you just said not to do, right? Our first go-to is we're defending in our mind. But if we can just relax, we're going to have time to talk. You know, if you're in a situation where you're mediating or whatever, you're going to have time to talk. So listening with curiosity not cutting the other person off because that's what generally happens. And then you're half sentencing each other to death, right? But when you get into mediation and you have a mediator that's really strict about not letting the other person interrupt while one person is talking, you will learn about why this person is saying what they're saying doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you will learn more by listening with curiosity. Because I I always thought, well, so how do we get people to relax? This is a a stressful situation. Even mediation is stressful. Um, When did you think about that? When did you get that idea of listening with curiosity? Well, so we created a bunch of years ago, um, uh, we had called it a 12-step program. Now it's the Accelerated Divorce Program. And we kind of, what we did was we looked to see what are the the typical struggles that go across the board, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're in a high conflict or low conflict, what are the emotional challenges? And and one of them, um, one of them had to do with, uh, with listening and with judgment. And that's what we were like, if we could get people to um, be more curious and less judgmental. And when does that happen? That happens in dialogue. So it's listening with curiosity. And and so when we listen with judgment, we know. So we're not going to expand anything. I already know. I know what you're going to say. I know why you did it. And I'm in this tiny little lane. When I get curious, I'm like, oh, so let me hear. Let me see. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I heard the finesse in that that I wouldn't have heard if I was creating my rebut in my head, right? And it's not easy to do. I think we all do it. I think we get excited. Um, It's easy to think you know what the end of the sentence is. So just jump in and finish it or cut it off. These are all really poor communication behaviors. And, you know, I think all of us were raised with, with the good and the bad. And so, Um, I was raised in a household where people yelled and screamed and cut each other off all the time. Part of it was that it was an Italian household. It wasn't always angry. Um, But part of it was that it was sometimes angry. And so I emerged as a young adult. I used to finish people's sentences all of the time. It's the rudest thing in the world. And now I think, oh, my God. And once in a blue moon, if I'm really enthusiastic about something, I'll feel myself about to do that and stop myself. But it's a practice like anything, learning these skills. And if you can, when you master that, or when you remember to just listen, listen Mm -hmm. with curiosity, does that not 
honor the other person that you haven't interrupted, does that not have some type of positive effect on the person you're listening to? Well, I will tell you, I I do trainings at my church. And so I did a whole coaching training and it was like literally coaching 101. It was really a training on active listening. And so these people just had a pure heart to support people. And they went out and they did these very basic um, steps that I taught them. And they came back and they were blown away. They were like, I didn't even say anything. It was just the person felt so seen and heard. Like there was such a sense of being respected for who they were because of just the act of listening. It is, it's so powerful when you give someone the space and, and you want to make sure that you're hearing what they're saying. So if there's hurt and anger, you're going to have filters. So just because like, if he says something, you may interpret it incorrectly and have to go back and say, I just heard you say, and the other person gets to go, no, 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 that's not, that's not what I was saying. So that piece of it is important too. When we're upset, even when we're trying to be curious, we've got this filter of hurt, pain, disappointment, whatever. And so um, I've been in couples coaching sessions where one couple will like immediately go back at the other and I'll be like, hold on a second. Can you tell me what you heard? And it's just like, wow. Okay. So-and-so, is that what you said? And they're like, no, that's not what I said. So that's such a key part. And even one step further, that that's really cool. So you'll be in a mediation and one person will actually concede something, but the mm. other person's not listening. The other person's <laughs> stewing in their anger and comes back at them. And me and the, uh, the person who just conceded will say, we just conceded. A, a point was just conceded. Did, didn't you hear that? You just got part of what you asked for. And no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Now they didn't hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, now they're not ready. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So communication, you're communicating is what you're communicating is so important. And so really just it's it's part of like the big picture that you and I spoke about last time, too, is, you know, keep your side of the street clean. Use this entire situation to focus on you because you have no control over the other person. Mm -hmm. And so when you do the kind of work that you and I are talking about, you have this opportunity to do this self-scan. It's like, where is my communication off? Where is my judgment high? Where is my curiosity low? Uh, where do I behave in ways, and, and listen to this, I'm going to say this again, where do I behave in ways that my behavior pushes me further away from the outcome that I want than closer to it? And if you think about how that's said, like I'm saying that's all on your, that's totally your responsibility. The other person has their behavior, but when you just stay with yours and you are fully aligned with your integrity and your values and your choices are aligned, um, you're going to streamline the process. You're going to find it smoother. And this is the opportunity to learn where am I aligned? Where am I not behaving the way I want to be? 
And some people are like, I'm going to be a hot mess. There were days where I was like, I'm going to throw an emotional tantrum. I just don't give a hoot because I needed to. And so then I would. And then I'd be like, okay, Karen, how'd that work for you? Because there's always an explosion back. But at least if you're doing it consciously, even if you're doing something and you're like, I know I shouldn't, I'm going to do it anyway. That's a step in the right direction. Yes. Yes. Okay. One thing we really didn't touch on in the exit plan is money. Uh, She doesn't have the resources to even hire an attorney, to sit with an attorney for an hour and pay their fee. Um, There may be money in the family and money will eventually come to her in the settlement. But just to get started, what are the options? Right. So in in that get educated part, um, we certainly have a lot of resources. So what I tell people is if you if you can't find an attorney who'll sit with you, you know, um, for an hour, then listen to these resources, listen to the litigator and the mediator and what have you. So you you at least are learning that part of the process. And I think that the hardest thing is there, there's more do it yourself platforms out there, Judith, but I do think that this is the hardest part when someone has to kind of put on their um, junior attorney hat and go into the courts. Well, you know, with these do-it-yourself platforms, they really involve both spouses. You can't go to to a do-it-yourself that I know of, maybe you do. Um, you can't do have a do-it-yourself platform with just you. You need the other person. So these are platforms that involve both spouses. Uh, in one of these, you know, these complex situations like you're talking about, you almost need, you both need attorneys, I think. Don't you? Don't don't they end up with attorneys because in order to do it yourself, in order to use me, in order to use you as a mediator, they have to be able to uh, agree that they want to mediate, agree that they want to compromise. And that doesn't really happen no. easily in a high conflict. No, I find that in the in the beginning, you can hire an advising attorney. Um, you can try to sit down by yourself or with a mediator with your spouse. And I'm not going to say that's a bad thing to do because sometimes uh, you just learn very quickly that this is, this approach isn't going to work. Um, as opposed to dancing around it. So I would say that the hardest thing, and I don't have great answers for, is for the people who can't afford attorneys. This is not, you know, that you can't just call up legal aid and and get a divorce attorney. And so it's, it's the, I think that's the hardest part. And I'm always looking for platforms and interviews to do to add for, for that that audience but but for the vast majority of people because there's often a lot of i can't afford and the truth is um your your marital assets are such that that you have enough money and it's so, so sometimes you have a financial problem and sometimes you have a cash flow problem and that's one of the things we'll coach people through okay so you have a cash flow problem so let's look at what you could do in the meantime knowing that there will be a settlement and you will be able to take care of it. And so 
that's kind of more of what we'll do on a one one on one and and strategize with them. Um, and I think the other part of the exit plan that that we do in our program in great detail is that whole processing of what to say, when to say it, are you in danger? Who do you need to notify that you're telling? Do you need to leave the house for uh, one or two nights to let the other person simmer down? Where are the kids going to be? When do you tell the kids? What do you tell the kids? Do you tell the kids together or not? Like, so what we do is we try to package just that first getting from I'm glued to the fence. I don't know if I should stay or go, although most people actually do know. Um, to um, two feet in the process. I have told my spouse, I have told my kids, I have gotten basic education. I have a basic support team and um, I'm okay. I'm on solid ground. That's our desire is to get people from the fence to solid ground just inside the process. Okay. So I want to just go back one step to the financial piece a second I, of course, can only speak for California, but I am sure it's similar in other states. And maybe, you know, uh, from your experience that it is on the East Coast, that is if there's financial resources uh, with monies, investments. And two, if you have a house jointly owned that has significant equity. A lawyer, you can go to a lawyer and they can file immediately for attorney's fees. They can file for attorney's fees from existing uh, money that's available or and or they can attach their name as a lien on your house. And because the house is it, going it, to sell community property, it can be the, the judge can force the sale. And then the yes. attorney, anybody with the lien will get their money first. So there's ways that you can get covered if you don't have it now. Lastly, of course, friends and family will be, if you have friends and family with resources, I bet they're happy to loan you money to get out of that marriage. What were you going to say? Karen? Yeah. And well, it, that was my situation. I, I had lost all my sales. I had no money. Um, money was an issue in our marriage to begin with. And um, my mom gave me like an initial retainer, but I basically paid my entire divorce on my Discover card. I knew that there was a house that would that I would be walking away with some money. I still walked away tens of thousands of dollars in debt. But I'll tell you the way I looked at it. I remember saying to a friend of mine, this feels a little bit like um, being in prison. And if I was a, in a third world country in prison and someone said, give me your Discover card, I'm going to charge it to the hilt and you can go home and be free. I would do it in, on the drop of a dime. So why wouldn't I do that now? And that was just, and and you know what? It was dead. And over the course of time, it got paid off. But there's often a lot of creative ways. And, and a lot of times when you've been in this situation and you've been told you've got no one but me and you're stuck, you, you need somebody's help to stretch and think about the creative ways that you can um finance a divorce. Right. And you can do it. And there's ways of being very effective. You don't call your attorney unless you need to talk to your attorney. I mean, there's a ton of ways to so, spend less money on attorney fees than people do. I'm so happy you brought that up. I am so happy because it's the calls you make. 
Mm-hmm. It's the calls that are made to you. It's reading the emails you write and having them written back to you by your attorney that will run up the bill more at times than the actual work done. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just, in defense of all attorneys, I so often clients will be like, I can't believe he charged me for that 10 minutes. And I'm like, that's how they make their money. At every moment that they're in the office, they're working for a client and therefore that client is paying for that time. So it's, it's not this obnoxious thing. It's just simply the way the business is run. It's the only, what are they going to do all that work and not charge anybody? Like how would they make a living? So, so I think that when you call to complain about something your spouse did and and then spend 15 minutes talking about the story and then talking for another 10 or 15 minutes about something that you can't have any impact on anyway, that's 30 minutes. And in a lot of parts of the country, that's like 250 to $500 that you just spent um, to, to complain. Don't do that. That's when we say hire a divorce coach, call your coach, be strategic, learn something about yourself, come up with good skills and strategies. Don't call your attorney and complain. That's right. Their unit of measure is time. We all have a unit of measure. And, uh, you know, when I've agreed to work on an hourly basis in the filing world, which I hate beyond belief, I love flat fees. I hate counting time. It takes away from my focus. But if I agree to work hourly, then I have to count time. So I clock in when I get the email to read it. I clock out when I'm done responding to it. And the same thing with phone calls. Phone calls can go on forever. Judy, I just I just want to talk to you for a minute. 50 minutes goes by. I could have been working for somebody else who's paid me already for that 50 minutes. And then lastly, don't you want to be paid for going to work? Anybody I'm talking to, do you work for free? course they don't. But somehow those of us who work hourly were not looked at in the same way that our clients look at their own time that they want to be paid for. It's a personal service. Personal services are tough to work with because they're too personal. They're not business. They're too personal. But you're in business. You're looking at this as a business. Trying to make a living. Karen McMahon, super coach, before we leave, what haven't we covered in the exit strategy? Something that you want to still cover? So the the key for it is um, to go through those key four steps. And then once you're two feet in, um, you know, nobody nobody leaves you hanging high and dry. Like there's ongoing support that's needed. But for the people listening who are scared, if you if you I don't know if I should stay or go. If if you put yourself in a fear in a bubble and and no no danger, nothing of harm could come to you. Most people immediately say, "Yeah, I I would go." Like like if I could do it safely, I knew I'd be okay. Then then I would go. So so gaining the clarity and then stepping through each of those phases is going to put you two feet in the process and with with the confidence that you need to go forward. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that that fear is that fear is tough, and it comes up throughout. 
And it's okay because um, it's not reality. Or if it is, there's always a way of handling it. So thank you, Karen. Thank you. I really appreciate this. So you have to come back, though. And I want to talk about what we didn't get to talk about in this episode, which is you have to go to jo- you have to go to work. If those of you who are working and um, are getting divorced, it's going to affect you on your jobs. And so we have to talk about that separately because it's a huge conversation. And I like that you brought up the C-suite executives, business owners and managers. Um, how do you function? How do you keep your job? How do you keep your team running? How do you keep your business running? while you're so distracted with divorce. So you're going to come back and we're going to do this next. The show notes, thank you. The show notes will have how people get in touch with you, but you know, a lot of people like taking notes when they listen and they want to write down how, how they can reach you. So best way. Yeah. So Journey Beyond Divorce, we have a podcast you can listen to. It's our website. And on the homepage of our website are a couple of different programs and freebies that we offer. So journeybeyonddivorce.com, go check us out. You'll love it. This woman is amazing. Thank all of you for listening. It's a great episode to listen to. I'm always open to your ideas for topics. You can reach me through my website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. I believe it's on the episode page where I have speaker pipe and you just click it and write me an email and it'll get right to me. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 